what dumb bitch is leaving that family when there's a millionaire lottery for winner? a waitress <laughs> yeah doling out fucking presents and she's like mm, i'm out your family just won millions and you're like i think it's a server is who i'm supposed to be with Andrew's home, and I tried so hard to get him to be on, but he said no. Well, it's a good thing you didn't, because this episode might have been a little crowded. <laughs> no, I wanted him... I told him that every time the dogs break into this room, he has to come say hi. They already broke in once, just as I was trying to open my laptop, so we'll see. <laughs> okay, listen. Before we go any further, we probably should acknowledge that Kate is here. Again. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Fresh off the heels of her episode coming out in real time, we decided to bring you back. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Giving the people what they want. I got a new tattoo. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck did you think I was showing you? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> it okay. looks very nice. <laughs> Arms are really crowding up there. That's the point. Don't tell mom. I haven't told her. <laughs> this will come out after Christmas, right? Yeah. When when will this come out? We will be in in Atlanta when we're when we release this episode. Or we were in Atlanta last week. I don't know. We're a little thrown off because we didn't record last week, but whatever. Okay, here's what I need to tell you. I had a dream. <laughs> another dream and this one i remembered as i was driving to work and i wrote down a voice note so i could tell you about it because it was the weirdest dream this is what i wrote down because i don't even remember it anymore i just have it all right i said i had a dream about saeed i was leaving the house in the middle of the night because he wanted to tell me that we got approved for a permit that meant that i was allowed to go into his yard that was the permit that I was allowed to go into his yard and I was sneaking out of the house in the middle of the night and I like met up with him in the middle of the street, like in the glow of the street lights. And he was like holding me. But the permit also meant that we could go into the ocean together. And so we were like talking about how we were going to go like frolic in the ocean together. Then a military helicopter landed in my neighbor's driveway and all of a sudden there were like police officers everywhere and they were looking for an escaped fugitive and I had to go hide at my neighbor's house and then he was gone. And when all of this was done, I went back and got back in bed with Andrew and I was like, oh, I had to go meet up with Saeed. But it was <laughs> a loving embrace. There was definitely a romantic connection there between me and him. So, I don't know. That's it. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> yeah. good, good luck editing that. I, I don't know, but that was my dream. Also, uh, I haven't watched this episode in like a week, so I might. Yeah, I just had to rewatch it. Kate might have the freshest opinion because she watched it today. Yeah. I just reread my notes and I'm like, what am I even talking about in any of this? I have no idea. Kate has a note about Kate in, in her notes. And I was like, Kate was in this episode? She had two lines and still pissed me off. <laughs> I don't Which, even remember her. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lauren Gets Lost. I'm Zane. I'm Lauren. I'm Kate. 
And I'm back. <laughs> and today we are covering episode 18 titled Numbers. You wanted to say something about the women in this episode. I thought this episode was bad because there were not enough women. Um, it was a male-heavy episode. Danielle was in it for like five seconds at the beginning and five seconds at the end. Claire was only in it when she was building shit with Locke. And then there was like one conversation between Kate and Son that was four lines. Shannon was in it a bit. This is what Shannon said. Be safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was so, it. Which we'll talk about episode, the Shannon uh, aspect later because I've got a revelation for that. This episode did not pass the Bechtel test. Is that what we're saying? Not at all. Failed. Speaking of the episode, Lauren, why don't you get into it a little bit? What's the synopsis? Okay, I did write a synopsis. I was like, oh shit. Well, this will help me because I don't even remember the episode. Here's what I wrote. We finally get a look into Hurley's backstory when he discovers the same numbers that he used to win the lottery and subsequently ruined his life. That's all I got. It's not it's not good. I also don't No, I, I liked it. Shut up. <laughs> all right, I've got quick bits. Settle in. They're a bit long. <sighs> this episode was directed by Daniel Atias. That seems right, right? Why don't you look up how to pronounce these yeah. people's names before you butcher them every single week? Because I'm always so confident before I actually get to this moment. It's like you with the outro. Shut up. He's directed Billions, Homeland, The Boys, Always Sunny, True Blood, The Walking Dead, New Girl, House, and he will return for another Hurley episode later in the series. After Hurley is arrested, his accountant comments that he can't imagine how the police mistook him for a drug dealer. This was a reference to Jorge Garcia's role as a drug dealer in Curb Your Enthusiasm that landed him the role as Hugo Riggs. Also, Jorge Garcia was just revealed to be one of the contestants on The Masked Singer, and he basically just tells that story. That is the, the dumbest show on television. Yeah. I thought they were just being racist. <laughs> <laughs> when they said that, I'm not gonna lie. Um, actually, Jorge Garcia is in a band and he has a really good voice. It shocked me. I do think The Masked Singer is the dumbest show on television, but consistently beats Survivors in ratings, though. Really it drives me insane that that's true. Who watches it? Who watches that show? Old people. I, oh my god! It's I've never garbage. met anyone who's like, you know, what show I really like? The Masked Singer. <laughs> like it has a spinoff, the The Masked Dancer. I would watch that. I'm sorry, but I would. Hurley's oh. mom complains that he's gaining weight. However, in reality, Jorge Garcia had nearly lost 30 pounds due to the rigor of filming in Hawaii. The producers asked him to stop losing weight so that the flashback scenes would show him at a consistent size. That's an interesting like issue that they had because I was kind of thinking, you know, if he's living on this island, he would be losing weight, most likely. But they kind of can't have him do that because... Of the flash bash scenes. I'm going to cut out my air, so that joke's not going to make sense. Okay. Uh, Brittany... Oh, God, I looked it up how to say it earlier. I, I even... You. I No, I, I even fixed you. it in an earlier episode. God. Uh, Brittany Perino makes a reappearance as the lottery girl in this episode. We saw her earlier in Sawyer's episode, Outlaws, when she and Sawyer were going to do the nasty. That was her? Yeah. It's crazy. All right. This is just simply about the numbers. Mm. Got a couple ones here. On the 19th of November in 2005, the numbers 
almost came up in the Irish lottery. However, the number 42 was 24. So many people had been playing these numbers that they only received 341 euros for matching five five numbers instead of the typical 12,000. That's actually a pretty good quick bit. Yeah. (laughs) Congrats. Hurley's numbers are all retired Yankee baseball players' numbers. Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse are big baseball fans, and they have made numerous references to baseball throughout the show. Most famously, that's why the Red Sox will never win the damn series, even though they've won it like eight times. I was wondering who picked the numbers. They they just go in the writer room and be like, see your favorite number. At the time (laughs) of the episode coming out, four through 23 were all Yankees players. 42 was the only one that was not retired by the Yankees at the time. But Jackie Robinson wore 42. So they threw that one in there. So they did choose them based on. Yes. That's boring. I would have picked something way more fun. And the numbers have appeared throughout the show so far. I, at one point, was going to list every single reference to the numbers, but that list was way too long, so here's just a couple highlights. Locke was in a wheelchair for four years. The flight number, the copier number, and the safety deposit box from Kate's earlier episode were all 815. I've pointed those out in the past. The French transmission has been playing for 16 years. Jack's seat number was 23C, and Kate's reward money was $23,000. What? I think I think the lock being in a wheelchair for four years, like, okay. What do you, what do you mean? Uh, it, that just feels like a stretch. It, like it's it not a stretch, intentional. though. It's intentional? It was intentional. Yes, they picked the numbers. Oh, Kate's reward money was $23,000. That's a stretch. No, that feels... I don't know. That's four. an odd amount. I feel like fifth. It should have been fifteen thousand because that would have made more sense. Okay. What about the who fact- offers twenty three thousand dollars? It's so random. Well, maybe that's what the U.S. government was willing to give up, and since it was a should have picked fifteen for that one. Yeah, but it's not like it's not a. It's weird. It should be multiples of five mm-hmm. for the for reward money. It should have been twenty or fifteen. I feel like your issue with Locke being in a wheelchair for four years. Why wouldn't you have the same issue with? 16 years being how long the transmission has been playing. So 16 is like a bigger number. I don't know. Shut <laughs> up. I just have to nitpick something. All right. Well, speaking of nitpick, let's get into the episode. Okay. Hey, you have a note here referring to a ship that you have. Yes. And I don't get it because it's at the top of your notes, but. Was it from the previously on? It might have been in the recap. Okay. They showed uh, Saeed and Danielle, and I was like, <laughs> they should kiss. I, <laughs> I was like, I ship them together. I, I do agree. I think they have great chemistry. Just when she was, like, torturing him, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, that is so flirty. Oh, my God. It's probably better than him and Shannon. Yeah. Makes more sense. Well, the episode opens on Hurley and Jin working together on the raft. Hurley's having a hard time understanding Jin, but Michael translates for him. So we quickly learn that relationship is getting better. Jack comes up and gets a debrief on the raft, and Michael says that they have guards surrounding it 24-7, and then he proposes the idea of a distress signal for the raft for any passing ships. Jack says he will talk to Saeed even if he can make something, they have nothing to power it. And Hurley says that Saeed shared that Daniel has batteries. We cut to Saeed immediately refusing to lead Jack and Hurley to her camp. Jack says that he will go on his own, just point him in the right direction. 
And Saeed says he was unconscious when he was brought there, delirious when he left. He has no clue on how to get there. But Hurley doesn't believe it and asks if he just simply doesn't want to go. Jack asks about the maps and what they were pointing to. And Saeed gets frustrated and crumples the paper, saying that the maps are just derangements of an insane woman. He hands papers to Jack and Hurley and points out an area of the map. This is the problem with watching the episode and taking the notes a week ago. I I memorized how to say this, but now I don't remember. Give it your best shot. Territoire fonts. That was probably wrong. Territoire? It's French. Okay, you say it then. Territoire. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I didn't take French. Okay, we're going with territoire fonts. (laughs) I took Spanish. It translates to the dark territory. Saeed says he will build the transmitter, but they're going to need a different power source. Meanwhile, Hurley has a paper that caught his eye. The numbers are listed over and over and over again. What were your thoughts on Saeed's refusal to lead them to Daniel's camp? It was out of the ordinary for him. Like, he's normally more level-headed, but he was getting pretty heated. But also, you know, she strapped him to a table and electrocuted him, so there's a little bit of tension there. Yeah, he probably is just thinking, I was lucky and escape enough once. I'm not going to, like, risk that again. Yeah. I will say I I was a little frustrated with Saeed. I feel like they've just kind of been sitting on their asses for a while, not really doing anything. Like, their best attempt to get off the island at this point is the raft that is most definitely not going to work. So I feel like they need to start, like, moving inland. And Danielle's their best lead, and they refuse to use it. I think it's also just another example of what I said, I think, last episode. Like, they don't communicate with each other. Like, they each have bits of information, but they're not, like, pooling their knowledge. Maybe Danielle could be helpful, but he's gatekeeping, as the Gen Z like to say. So we get our first flashback. Hurley is watching TV and eating chicken after a hard day's work. He works at Mr. Cluck's Chicken, and he lives with his mother. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Respect. Uh, Love Carmen, by the way. She lectures him about staying in on a Saturday night. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) And that he should go out and find a girl or at least try eating better. Meanwhile, Hurley is watching the lotto number reveal and his numbers are red and he won. It's revealed that this is a record mega jackpot since this is the 16th week without a winner. And Hurley faints. What were your thoughts or initial thoughts on Carmen? Typical mom. I love her. She's like one of my favorite reoccurring characters. Really? Really. Hmm. No? I feel like some some of the things she said are out of pocket. You know, go meet a nice woman at Saturday night. What if he wanted to meet a nice man? You know what? Fair enough. I feel like she would be supportive. Mm, Maybe. Oh, she is very religious, so. Yeah. You know what I was wondering? When I watch this scene? What? When he gets his winnings, is he going to get a lump sum? Or is he going to get payments? I wa- That's what I wanted to know. You know, when this when we were watching this episode, it was like the same week that the lottery was like super high and everybody was buying lottery tickets. And then, you know, every house in America has that same conversation. Like, what would you do if you won the lottery? So Andrew and I were having those conversations and we were talking about taking the lump sum or the payments and you're supposed to take the lump sum. Told you. I am an impulse shopper. (laughs) In my best interest, I would do the payments. I said, take the payments so that I like space it out and I'm set for life. And he said, no, you take the lump sum because if the government goes bankrupt, then you don't get the money. It's not guaranteed. But at that point, I'm already a millionaire. 
I know. I think the same. The payments thing. wouldn't be doubled out in millions, honey. If it was like that, like mega millions. I mean, maybe Hurley, but I still feel like that they'd because you know they'll kill you on the taxes. The whole benefit to the to the payments is that they don't dish it out so quickly. This is what I love about the lottery: is you're getting like hundreds of millions of dollars, and people are like, "But you, but what about those taxes? Those taxes are going to kill you." <laughs> Have you ever seen that amount of money in your life? And you want to complain about the taxes? I think you're fine. That is so true. Like, I really think you're fine. You know, I think about that all the time at work. You know, I work in finance and a lot of people are always just trying to work around the taxes. I'm like, at the end of the day, you're not going to work around it. Just fucking pay it. Because this is so different. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars and you're talking about 10,000. No, I've seen $10,000 before. I've seen a good amount of money. I've not seen 100 million. Fair enough. Saeed awakes to find Hurley sitting next to him, and Hurley begins to ask about Rousseau. He asks what he and Shannon were able to translate, and he asks specifically about the numbers. Saeed said that he thought at one point they were coordinates, and then Hurley asks about the wire and the proximity of her camp to the wire. Saeed asks why he's so curious, and Hurley lies and says goodnight, but he stole a map. We get another flashback. Hurley is outside his house with his mother, grandfather, brother, who we will never see or hear from again. I completely forgot he had a brother, and I think so did the writers, and his brother's wife. So did I. He is answering reporters' questions. He's asked about the significance of the numbers, and he lies, explaining where they came from. He then introduces his mother and explains how his grandfather has worked three jobs since he was 23 – and how his pacemaker was put in four years ago. There's a question about that. Yeah. Why three jobs? That's not a number. Hmm. Could have been four jobs. Okay, well, not every number has to be significant. Well, I feel like three is like somewhat believable, but four is not. Sorry, nobody wants to work these days. <laughs> in my day, we all worked four jobs. He explains that he's going to let his grandfather rest and that he's put his family through a lot lately. And then his grandfather immediately gets some rest by dying. You rest in peace. I know this is sad, but it's also like kind of funny. Just like the way it's presented. Kind of like quirky music. Overall, the episode kind of portrays the curse as like kind of something that's funny for a while until like in the back half it like swings the tone. What were your thoughts, Lauren, on the presentation of the curse and like all these bad things? But like, oh, it's lighthearted. I don't think I ever felt it as lighthearted, but I also have crippling anxiety. So like pretty much immediately I was like, oh, fuck. And then every time there was a flashback, I was watching like this, like my eyes covered because I was like, someone's going to fucking die. Like when she broke her ankle, I hate injuries. Like I can't watch stuff like that. So I wasn't into it. I did not like that. Fair enough. Back on the island, Charlie greets Hurley, who immediately says he's not doing anything. Uh, Charlie asks where he's going with so much water, and he says that he's just going for a walk. And Charlie wants to come, but Hurley says, no, he needs alone time. Hurley's water breaks out of his bag, and he simply just says that he's a big guy who gets dehydrated. Locke asks Claire for assistance in a project. We learn that he's building something. And Claire says she can barely do anything because of her pregnancy, but Locke asks if she can simply use a saw, and she agrees, and Claire asks what they're building. We'll learn more on that later. How are you feeling about Locke these days, Lauren? Cult leader. (laughs) He's fine. He's just like your friendly neighborhood cult leader right now. But I don't trust him. 
Saeed asks Jack where the map is. He's angry with Jack for having Hurley steal the map from him. And Jack is just completely confused. Saeed realizes that Jack has no idea what he's screaming about. And they begin to question Charlie, who says Hurley was acting crazy. And they realize Hurley is going after Danielle. Cut to Shannon being concerned about Saeed going out into the jungle. And as Jack calls for Saeed, he cups her face and tells her that he will be fine. Cut to her being worried. She was like, be safe. She was like, when are you going to get back? And he was like, if all goes well by nightfall. One line. Okay, one line. Sorry. Mom pointed out something to me last night as she was listening to the episode that you were on, Kate, where we were discussing the age gap between Shannon and Saeed. We all were like, he's 30. He's 37. (gasps) Oh, Saeed. That's not right. Oh, my God. I have to change. He just gave me the (laughs) ick. And how old is Shannon? Do we know? 20. Oh, she can't even drink. Oh, my God. I have to change hottie of the week. Yeah. So um, mom's listening to the episode and she texts me and she's like, first of all, mom had a lot of opinions about yesterday. Oh, my God. She was heated last night. Did you tell Kate what mom said about camp? Mom hated camp, and she's like, who the fuck is this Trisha person? I had to text her. (laughs) I texted her. I was like, look, I get you don't know what we're talking about, but can you calm the hell down? Time for a text from our mother. This is what she said. The definition of camp was just a bunch of words thrown together that make no sense. Camp, in quotations, how you guys are using it is slang, which is 100% made up bullshit. I mean, yeah, it is slang. I know. I'm like, that's literally what slang is, mom. I just said, okay, boomer. <laughs> but I, I do think mom comes off really aggressive in text sometimes. And so I started, well, first, I think I told her to snort a Xanax or something like that. <laughs> and then I tried to like calm down because I was like, you know what? We're going to be at her house in like a month and she'll hold on to this. And yeah. I don't need that. But, but she yeah. texts me and she's like, Saeed's not 30. He's 37. And I was like, why the hell did she just know that off the top of her head? I look it up. His birthday is November of 1967. Like the actor or like Saeed? Saeed. Mm. And I was like, did you look that up? And she said, no. I'm like, okay, well, he's exactly 37. Like, how the hell did you know that off the top of her head? And she's like, experience. (laughs) What? (laughs) I don't know. But then when I told her. I'm like, yeah, he was born in November of 67. She's like, oh, well, that's not right, because I would have been 37 when this show came out. And then she's like, wait, I was 37, and you were five. And then she's like, why did I let you watch this? Wow. I knew he was older than her, but that's not cool. Why? Why did they do that? Why couldn't they have just made her, like, 25 or something? I think the problem was... Saeed's a good-looking dude. I don't know if we've ever talked about that. But there's not really, like, a lot of women on the island. You know, like, son spoken for. You know who would be age-appropriate? Who? Danielle. (laughs) (laughs) You make a good point. I just feel like, unless there's some reason that she has to be 20 years old, just make her a little bit older, but also sign at the times. Just that's gross, though. I don't actually know who Hottie of the Week is going to be. He was only Hottie of the Week because I had a romantic dream about him. This episode wasn't very hot. I'm going to I'm going to look it up for the next Saeed episode. I would not be surprised if Nadia was on the young side, too. No, that doesn't make any fucking sense. I take it back immediately. They went to school together. Dummy. I know this show is so much better than you. (laughs) 
I had a question in here that says, do we ship it? But that was prepped before I knew about the age. I'm going to go we ahead and not. say we do not ship it anymore. We get another flashback as Hurley walks down the beach. You know what I thought about? His calves got to be burning. I've walked in sand before <laughs> and that hurts. <laughs> and I was watching him trek and I was like, damn. There's a line that Hurley delivers like in the third season where he he's like wants to go with a group that's kind of like split off from the main group. And he's just like, I'm sick of trekking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Hurley is driving his mother in a big ass Hummer. Sorry, Hurley, not hottie of the week. We do not support pollution here. She asks where they're going because she doesn't like surprises, but Hurley tells her that she will like this one after everything that's happened. Quick recap of all the cursed activities. His grandpa died. The priest got struck by lightning at the funeral. His brother moved home after his wife left him for a waitress. And that is the last time we will hear reference to his brother. He might have died, too. <laughs> Probably. You know what I thought? What dumb bitch is leaving that family when there's a millionaire lottery for winner? For a waitress? <laughs> yeah. Doling out fucking presents. And she's like, mm, I'm out. Your family just won millions and you're like. I think it's a server is who I'm supposed to be with. Probably because she was in love and found her true self. No, about that. Dumb. But Hurley mentions that he thinks that they might be cursed since winning the lottery. And Carmen immediately hits him because they are Catholic and they do not believe in curses. Hurley makes her put on a blindfold and she argues this. He takes her out of the car and she immediately snaps her ankle. And it was just a gross sound effect. Was it? Yeah. I laughed a little. Like, I don't know. The way that she fell. I'm like, girl, get up. Like, <laughs> You're cruel, you know? <laughs> I'm so sorry. But I just felt like she could have stood up at any moment. <laughs> they both realize that the house that he bought her is on fire. And as Hurley calls 911, the police arrive and arrest Hurley. Hurley looks at his mom and asks if there's no such thing as curses. There are. I would. I'm saying I would have believed him. I think she starts to believe him a little bit too, because she like does the little like a uh, little cross on her on her head and chest. She's like, "Look, I don't know. We don't believe in curses, but like this is getting a little uncanny." She definitely gives him a look like, "Oh man, you might be right." Can the police arrest you and not tell you why no. you're being arrested? I'm pretty sure they're supposed to like say what the charge is against you. Because when I was watching, I was like, "This is so fucked up." They're just putting him in cuffs. What did my man do? No, you d- they can't do that. Probably because they didn't want to make the Larry David reference twice. So they were just like... When did they make it once? When he's like, you look like a drug dealer. Curb your enthusiasm. Oh, you mean like... Well, I guess it makes sense too because they brought up like the lawsuit. Yeah. Maybe maybe he sued him twice. One for not ever like saying what his charge is. But I mean, they did like read his Miranda rights. So like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot more. <laughs> like all you had to do is read your Miranda rights, like that. The that is the fair right. minimum. Yeah, because we were, remember we were just watching Revenge like last night, and they said the charge, and I made a joke immediately. So I feel like they usually in TV they like tell you what your charges are. I don't know. I guess they were just trying to be like, oh, look how hectic. I personally have not been arrested, so I cannot confirm or deny how that goes. So Hurley finds the cable. Picks it up and calls for Danielle, or French chick, as he always puts it. And then he follows the cable into the jungle. We get another flashback 
Nice change of pace. Last time you were here, we had only like, what, three, four flashbacks? This one was like half the episode. I did notice there were a lot. Hurley's accountant reveals that all his stocks are up. He's a majority shareholder of a box company in Tustin. Box? Box company. Hurley learns that he has a sneaker factory that he did not know he owned. Fucking rich privilege. Don't even know you got real estate. It's it's your money working for you. (laughs) Just like Taylor Swift. Making your money work. Well, he did have a sneaker factory. It has been destroyed in a fire. But there's a huge insurance payout, despite eight people dying. Combine that with the settlement from the false arrest, and he has doubled his net worth. I have a question. This led me to believe he did get payments. Because they said that he doubled his net worth, and then at the end they said it was something like $156 million or something like that. He said it's how much he's worth. And I was like... But during the lottery, the girl was like, this is one of the biggest lotteries ever. That's not very big. It's 2004. And? I okay, just, but he also, if he would have taken the lump payment, he doesn't get all of it. But doubled? And you don't even have $200 million? What is that? Pocket change? Look, I'm, I'm thinking gonna, he took the payments. I feel like I he, he did not the take the payments because that would be a massive payment. Like, if he took the payments, it, it would have been a much smaller. But I also he, just think it's likely... That the show was like, we want to give him a bunch of money, but we don't want to give him stupid amounts of money because, like, people know rich people. So, what like, like they want Hurley to be, like, an anonymous person on the island. He if ever- did press about winning the lottery, which I would never do. Yeah, never. I would not be in front of fucking reporters being like, here's my family. Here's my house. <laughs> Come find yeah. me. Yeah. This is my entire family and all of their names. Let me give you my social security number. Also, like, I'm, let's put it on the record. I'm just buying people shit. Houses, getting this guy retired. Come find me. I'll give you money. Yeah, he did that all wrong. Hurley says he doesn't care about any of the money. He says all of it is bad luck. And his accountant tells him it's all in his head before asking where he came up with the numbers. Hurley thinks about the origin of the numbers, and then he realizes it's not the money. The numbers are bad. As his accountant tells him there's no such thing as curses, a man jumps to his death past their window. That, wow. That was a lot. Yeah. The noise of the construction of the raft is giving Sawyer a headache. And after he complains and calls Walt short round, Michael says that Sawyer should pitch in since he's bought his ticket on the raft. One of the pontoons immediately collapses and Jin and Michael begin screaming at each other. Meanwhile, Sun and Kate watch, and Sun fears that Jin will never speak to her again. And Kate says that he needs time, but Sun says that she humiliated him. Sun asks if she thinks Jin will set sail on the raft, and Kate says she does not know. And that was, word for word, the whole conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And somehow Kate pissed you off in this moment. Yeah, because bad friend, oh my god, first of all... If I witnessed what I witnessed between Sun and Jin and they broke up, I'd be like, good for you, girl. You unbutton that top and you be free. So her being like, he needs time. Shut up. Don't say that. And then when she was like, oh, like I humiliated him. I would be like, no, you didn't. She was such, I was like, girl, what? So that was upset me. I don't know. I feel like she did kind of humiliate Jen a little bit. Like the fact that he didn't know that she spoke English. Like he definitely felt like some sort of. You he humiliated her every single second of being on the island. I mean, yeah, but like, you know. Pride if I'm is her di- friend, I'm saying like 
you were justified in keeping that secret. You had to do that for your own safety. You were trying to get out of a marriage where you felt like you were in danger. Like, like think about why she knew English. I'm not. Exactly. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying. I'm sure Jin feels some humiliation. I'm not saying okay, that. Boo hoo. Sorry, you deserved it. Yeah, I feel Sorry. like Kate is she just had two giving, lines and piss me off. <laughs> Kate is just doing the like. Oh, it'll be okay, but she's not like validating Sun and what she did because I feel like Sun it was valid. Yeah, but I don't really think that. I think that's what Sun needs, but I don't think that's what she's looking for at this moment. No, but you can do both. Yeah. Because if he doesn't come back, then if all the advice she ever got was it'll be fine, give him time. Well, you suck then. Because Sun was like, "Do you think he'll ever come back?" And she's like, "I don't know." And like, give her something more. Be like, I don't know, but you're better off without him, Queen. Well, actually, like, why would you no, be like? It, it not was, sure. The question was, do you think he'll sail on the raft? Because at first, Kate was like, he was needs. It? Yeah, Kate Honestly, was like, he needs. Get time. on that death trap. Bye. <laughs> See you later. Hurley works his way through the jungle, and he finds a boar strung up in a tree. And then he steps on a pressure plate, and Saeed appears and tells him not to move, and points out the trap. I'm glad that they just were able to catch up at the exact right time. Yeah. Saeed says that they need to replace his weight on the trigger. And this is the first moment where Charlie just starts pissing me off for the rest of the episode. Yeah, fuck Charlie. Charlie's douche of the week. Let it be known now. Fuck Charlie. Uh, He basically says it's going to be impossible to replace Hurley's weight on the trigger. Oh, yeah. Charlie does make a lot of... Like, a lot of comments about Hurley's weight this episode. Yeah. Hurley says that he's spry. I love that. When he's like, I'm spry. I was like, yeah, you are. Or Sprite. Whatever. <laughs> uh, fun fact. The first moment I ever told Kate I love her is because she said, I'm young and Sprite. I thought that's what the saying was. <laughs> and it was so awkward because you were just like, haha, I love you. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> And then I thought he was joking. And then for like weeks, we'd be on the phone and he'd be like, bye, I love you. And I'd be like, that's not a funny joke. <laughs> I thought he was joking. And then he was like, I have to tell you something. I haven't been joking. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> the cringiest and cutest. So you didn't say it back for weeks? No, for, for weeks. weeks. I would have killed myself, um, to be honest. Just to save face a little bit at the time of recording kate and i just celebrated our one-year anniversary so like things are going okay people. still haven't said it back <laughs> <laughs> at least you're not fucking moving to akron yeah true. what uh bachelor in paradise fans you will understand that reference oh i didn't watch hurley says he can jump out of the way but all three of them tell him not to and he does so he's fine but charlie yells at him calling him an idiot or nope lunatic my bad not that it's any better. <laughs> First example of ableism. Oh, yeah. Well, he did call Hurley a lunatic back at the caves earlier. Charlie pissed me off this episode. Jack asks why he came all the way out there, and Hurley lies, saying it was all just for the battery. Saeed finally decides to lead the way. What were your thoughts on Hurley's out-of-character determination? I liked it. We should point out, this is the first time Hurley's really gone into the jungle. He's always been on the beach. Yeah, I don't know if we can even say that it's out of character. We just haven't gotten a good, like, in-depth look at Hurley. we just kind of seen him as, like, the goofy guy. But I like it. It was fun. 
nice change of pace. Also, this he's the last of the original like main characters to he's not get a, a main sen- character. Main is a supporting character if I've ever seen. Okay, him. he's the last of the series regulars. Thank you to get a centric episode. Thank you. I disagree with you, but whatever. In the next flashback, Hurley asks to see a patient as a, at a psychiatric hospital named Lenny. And while the ter- nurse tells him that he cannot be let in, a janitor is trying to change a light bulb while he stands on a very rickety ladder. Hurley yells at him not to do that now due to his curse and then asks to see Lenny again. And then a doctor recognizes him and asks what he is doing back here. So I'm getting major hints that he was a patient, question mark. What were those major hints when the doctor was like, I don't remember you being that close with Lenny when you were here. (laughs) Okay, fine. I didn't know that they were being that obvious about it. I thought I was pretty intuitive. Shut your mouth. He could have worked there. He could have been close with him when he worked there. Shut your mouth. Don't talk to me. (laughs) The doctor lets Hurley talk to Lenny as he's playing Connect Four. Why are you no, yelling that? That one's a stretch. I, I oh. always yell the numbers. Okay, that was such a stretch that I didn't get it. <laughs> and Lenny is mumbling the numbers to himself. Hurley asks what the numbers mean. Kate's been shouting that for the entire time I've known her. And Hurley tells him that he thinks he got jinxed because of the numbers and no one believes him. This snaps Lenny out of his trance and he tells Hurley he opened the box and he should not have used those numbers and it does not stop. Lenny starts freaking out, saying he needs to get away from the numbers. And as he's being pulled away, Lenny tells Hurley that Sam Tooney heard the numbers when they were working in Australia. First thoughts on Hurley being in a mental institution. I don't really see it. Like, I'm assuming it was after the curse thing. No, before. No, I'm dumb. I don't know. I don't see any signs as to why he would have been there. And now what are your thoughts on essentially the reason of Hurley going to Australia and getting on the plane is because he's trying to figure out what this curse is. I would do the same thing. This is now the first evidence of the island's existence sort of off island. Hmm. Because Sam Tooney heard the, the numbers. What does that have to do with off island? They were off island when they heard it. You know who else heard the numbers? Who? Hurley. So when did he hear them? From Lenny. But Lenny and Sam heard them specifically from the island. How do you know that they heard them from the island? Because Danielle says the same thing later. And that's how that they brought were, them to the island. That's what the original transmission was, was just those numbers over and over. You know what other question I had? Why did Lenny serve with someone who was Australian? I don't think he was Australian. I think he moved to Australia and met his wife there. Mm, that threw me. I was. Surprised. He also probably just met her because they probably were stationed there. Like they were. Cause Is there a station in Australia? I'm sure, there's stations everywhere. We're the U.S. military. <laughs> we fucking take over everything. Yeah, but usually not like Australia. Like they're. I mean, we have an alliance with them. I'm sure Australia people have something here, like an embassy or something. Yeah, but an embassy is different than like a station. Well, you get military presence at a station, don't you? Also, you know the the fear of communism. You gotta you gotta be listening. Australia, no, but it's close enough to the to Asia. You're sounding dumber and dumber the more you talk. He literally is stationed there at a naval like monitoring station. 
There's many military bases, U.S. military bases in Australia. There you go. Because of the fear of the spread of communism. No, Moving on. It's not that. <laughs> I'm sure there's another reason. Anyway, the group finds the end of the cable and it leads directly into the ground. Charlie points out a ravine with a rope bridge. Yeah, I the second I saw that bridge, my brain said, that is from Shrek. That is the bridge that Shrek and Donkey crossed to get to Fiona. That is all I could think of. And I said, shit was sketchy then, shit is sketchy now. <laughs> that bridge was in a volcano. Same thing. I would not be crossing that bridge. No. Saeed says he's never seen the bridge before, but while the group discusses theories on perhaps Danielle's team or Ethan's team building the bridge, Hurley begins to cross it. I said that was sexist because they were just like, Danielle couldn't build this alone. Why? Because she's a woman? That's all I have to say. I think she could. That woman is crazy enough that she could have. I think that's a two-person job. I think she could have done it. I just think it's hard to build a bridge on your own, honey. She's been there for 16 years. Think about the things you could do in 16 years. I just want to point out that later in the episode, Charlie and Hurley get across the ravine, like seemingly no issues. Kind of begs the question what the point of the bridge was. She's bored. She's been there for 16 years. She's picking up a new hobby. Like you could argue like, oh, they built the bridge to like cut down on travel time. It doesn't seem like it took them that long to get back. What was the point of the bridge? Yeah, that's true. Whoever built it. Jack demands that he comes back, but Hurley continues to cross anyway. Once he gets to the other side, Charlie starts to cross saying, if Hurley can cross it, it should be able to hold him. Yeah, fuck that guy. Charlie is such a piece of shit in this episode. Small man syndrome. That's like a fair point. Don't you remember when we were kids? Keep that to yourself, though. Yeah, I wouldn't have said it. Absolutely not. I wouldn't have said it. But like, remember when we were kids and dad would go walk on the ice first because if dad could walk on the ice, then we could walk on the ice. You know what I mean? I mean, but yeah. I but, would but I have like, said it? No. Would you I can have said say, it in like, that tone? No. Exactly. It was the tone. You can be like, look, Hurley Cross, it should be, we should be fine. If he can do it, fucking fat ass McGee over there caught across the bridge. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't have said it, but. This is where I labeled Charlie douche of the week. No, it came a little later. Uh, Hurley, <laughs> Charlie begins to cross the bridge and it snaps under his fat ass and Hurley pulls him up. Jack tells them to stay put and they will find a way around to them. Hurley says that they should stay, but Charlie snaps at Hurley saying he's acting like a lunatic. Now he's being uh, fat phobic and ableist and he's officially douche of the week. And I just want to get this on record. Where do you think the bridge came from? Uh, the others. Do we ever find out? Maybe. Mm. In the next flashback, Hurley knocks on the door of Sam Tooney's house, and we meet his Toomey. wife. You said Tooney. You know what? I don't remember. Toomey. Toomey's house. There we go. You're welcome. Keep going. We meet his wife. He asks for Sam, and we're told that Sam died four years ago. <gasps> Is that one a stretch, Lauren? Yeah. Hurley explains that he knows Lenny, and we learn that Sam and Lenny served in the Navy together. Hurley asks about Sam, hearing about something, and she immediately knows that he's referring to the numbers. She explains the two of them were stationed listening to radio transmissions over the... Spe- I almost said specific. <laughs> I almost said it. Over the Pacific, and while it was boring, one night 16 years ago, they heard the numbers being repeated by some mysterious voice. 
A few days later, Sam used the numbers to guess correctly how many beans are in a jar and got exactly right and won some money. Can I say something that I'm stupid? When they were like, he heard the numbers. I did not realize it was a radio transmission. I thought it was like spirits whispering in his ear. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, that is crazy. It's it's the whispers from the island. Yeah. I'm like, that is spooky. Can I say makes more sense now though? Uh, I didn't want to look it up because I don't want any spoilers, but the actress that's playing this Australian woman, that's the worst accent I've ever heard. Is that just a weird Australian <laughs> accent or is that a fake Australian accent? And if it is, why not just get an Australian? He's got his IMDb app open. I knew he would. Because, I don't know, it was a bad accent, but maybe that's just what some Australians sound like and I'm just over here being dumb. It almost sounded like a, a New Zealand accent. But at the same time, it sounded like an American person trying to do an Australian accent. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. Believe uh, it or not. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. Believe it or not. There's not a whole lot about her on IMDb. So we're going to TV or to Google. Oh, accent is one of the first things that comes up when you when you Google her. I'm not alone. You you That says actress. Oh, you're right. I am alone. They just can't read. <laughs> Unbelievable. Ooh. I watched that. There is like nothing in here about her. Oh, here's her contact info. Oh, goody. All right. Th- there's literally nothing in here about her. She's like uh, completely unknown. So I don't know. Jur, jur remains. If you're listening, and I know you are, let us know if your accent's real or not. Well, I hope she's not listening because if her accent's real. Or I don't know what <laughs> Uh, I was saying, I hope she's not listening because she's either going to be insulted because I don't like her real accent or she's going to be insulted because I don't like her bad fake accent. That's a good point. Yeah, you're screwed. Well, next week's going to be really awkward when we bring her on as a guest. Of the 30 people that are going to listen next week, one of them will probably be her. (laughs) She's the 1% of Australian listeners. (laughs) Or she's one of the many percent in the States, depending on where she's from. Exactly. I, she's got to be Australian. Why would they get an American to do a fake accent? Claire Unless she's just some really white. Is she? No, she is. Really? Yeah. Shocked. Just like uh, Charlie is British. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking mom last night. Text from our mother, segment two. Mom texts me. She's like, surely you know that Australia is like branched off from England, blah, 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 blah. There's like a reason that they sound alike. I'm like, yeah, but surely you know that they don't sound that much alike. She's just yeah, a girl supporting girls. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> she was going for everything that you said. Camp is stupid. Trisha Page is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, gotta dial it back on this one. <laughs> but then she supported you. <laughs> on the way home from wherever they won the money, they got into a car accident and Sam's wife lost her leg but sam was barely hurt but sam did not consider himself lucky he thought he was cursed he kept a record of all the terrible things that happened around him and moved them to the middle of nowhere hurley asked if he ever found a way to make it stop and she explained that sam killed himself so it's no longer lighthearted and fun she asked why he's Looking for all this information, and Hurley explains that he used the numbers to win the lottery, and he thinks that he is now under the same curse. This sets her off. She says there's no curse. She says if she would have if he would have guessed the correct beans a different way, she would still probably not have her leg. She then says, You make your own luck, 
Don't blame the numbers. You're looking for an excuse that doesn't exist. I have something to say. Yes. This is not where it gets serious. I feel like it was serious when a man jumped out of a building. I disagree because it was like it was. That was not funny. I'm not saying it was funny, but the show tried to present it in like kind of a funny way. Quirky music and like, oh, it's all in your head. Bad things just happened. Oh, God just killed himself. Yeah, I agree with Kate. I, I didn't think it was funny when the grandpa died. I don't think it was ever quirky. Haha, people are dying. Like, I just, I never liked it. I I feel like the musical tone was like, oh my God, like all this bad shit's happening. Oh, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I agree. They tried to make it like quirky, but. Anyways. Do you think the numbers are cursed, Lauren? Hell yeah. I, I cannot believe that he used those numbers. Like, to me, when he went to visit Lenny and Lenny was mumbling the numbers over and over, that that was so creepy to me. Like, I would have never used those numbers. I would be haunted by that. And I would have never used them because I just would have got a feeling right there something's wrong with them. Without, like, revealing too much, you know, numbers that you just hear repeatedly probably get stuck in your head. Yeah, well, first of all, everybody knows you just go random when you play the lottery. Lottery? And secondly, okay, fine, they're stuck in his head, but it's not like, oh, where have I heard these numbers before? It's like, no, that guy was mumbling them over and over and over every single day. But like, if that's I would not an everyday occurrence for you, is that creepy? Yes. I'm just saying that the numbers would have had a bad vibe to me. That's all I'm saying. Because... It, it seems to me like Lenny is haunted by these numbers and he's like fixated on him. I don't think mumbling something over and over and over is a positive thing. For you. I, why, not why for do you ask? Why do you ask my <laughs> for opinion? You. <laughs> why do you ask my opinion and then argue with me about my opinion? Well, you're getting really defensive as if you have played the lottery with these numbers before. I bet have you have. done that? No. I don't I've never played the lottery. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Yeah, look, sports gambling is about to become legal in the state of Ohio. And Kate's like, you're not going to do that, are you? Like, you made a joke about getting the numbers tattooed. I would never. Yeah, the ring, creepy. I think it was a gift from you. Sorry, creepy. I wouldn't do it. Like, bad vibes. I know it's a TV show, but bad vibes. Claire and Locke are working on something. And Claire asks if it's like a trap for hunting and hands him a cup of glue that he made from rendered animal fat. So two things that Locke knows how to make from just whatever you can find in the jungle. Glue, psychosis drugs. Locke is weird. Claire is impressed by his glue and says that he should have one of those home renovation shows. Then she thanks him for giving her something to do because she's tired of trying to remember what happened. Locke asks her about what she remembers and she says that she is getting bits and pieces but nothing really makes sense. Locke offers to help, saying he is good at putting bits and pieces together. Bits and pieces of cults. What do you think of this duo? Uh, I think he's, like, going to take a grandpa role. Yeah? Yeah, like, that's grandpa. I don't know. Locke, maybe he just saw what Saeed was doing. He's like, I'd like to get me some of that. Ew, (laughs) God. I think Locke needs young members in his cult to, to help it grow. Gotta get that baby. As opposed to the old members that he has? You gotta... If you want new generations of your cult, you need children to mm-hmm. indoctrinate them from birth. 
feel like he's got Walton's corner already. Exactly. He needs more children. Saeed stops and says that he recognizes the area. And Jack asks how he can be sure because that she lived underground. And he trips a wire and blows the place up. Hurley and Charlie hear it from the distance. And Jack and Saeed search her destroyed base and find nothing. Saeed puts together that Danielle knew that he would return with others, so she rigged the place to blow and abandoned it. Hurley and Charlie are making their way towards the explosion, and Charlie is just questioning Hurley the entire time. He asks why he's suddenly on a mission and says it's not him, and Hurley says that he doesn't know anything about him, but Charlie points out that he's never shared anything personal about himself and again calls him crazy. This clearly strikes a nerve. At this point, we are aware that Hurley was in a psychiatric hospital, so it's supposed to. And Hurley says he's not crazy. And Charlie says he has a right to know. Right as Hurley is going to explain, they get shot at. I want to circle back on this real quick. Why does Charlie have a right to know? Because he came into the jungle? No one fucking asked you to. Because he has small man syndrome. I do not understand from a plot perspective why Charlie came on this trip. It makes sense why Saeed went. Just to be an antagonist to Hurley. Okay, yeah, that makes sense from a plot perspective. But also, you're saying the exact same thing that I said about Jack when he had a right to know all of Kate's information. Just want to put that out there. Okay, that's different, though. Help me dig up a body. I would want an answer. No one asked Charlie to come. Saeed went because it's familiar territory. Jack went because he's the doctor and leader. Charlie's just there. Charlie is there to be a dick, to add extra tension and to give us a more in-depth look at Hurley, that's how we find out that this is a sensitive topic for him. And yeah, he does not have a right to know. He's just being a douche, same as Jack was. I really wish Hurley would have called him out on that. He's like, I think I have a right to know. The only basis is because he's out there. But at no point did Hurley ask him to follow him. But at this point, Charlie shared anything with Hurley. No, but he does at the end of the episode. I know, but but I was just thinking like, what, like, it's not like Hurley knows all of his deepest, darkest secrets. Yeah. The only thing that Hurley probably knows about Charlie is that he was in this band this one time and he has written one fucking song. I think it's like the implication is like, oh, they're friends. You know, we've seen them be kind of buddy, buddy. So that's maybe why he thinks he has a right to know. But like Kate said, like Charlie hasn't shared anything. Yeah. I think Charlie's just an immature little brat. Yeah. Remember that, like, one time we were like, yeah, Charlie's kind of cool. And, like, ever since then, it's just been negative opinions about Charlie. The thing that's, like, so funny to me is when I've, like, very briefly watched this show as a kid, I've always had, like, a good memory of Charlie. I've always been like, I love Charlie. And now I'm watching it, and I'm like, fucking hate Charlie. I see on the subreddit a lot people will, like, complain about specific moments with Charlie, some parts that we haven't even gotten to yet. And I just think to myself, why does everybody love Charlie? He I just, don't. He's just constantly annoying. Probably because he was in Lord of the Rings. Do you wear wigs? <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that was him. And then I saw all those videos, will you wear wigs? And I was like, that's Charlie. So they get shot at and they run in opposite directions, but Hurley falls down. When he gets up, he finds Danielle pointing a gun at him. He tells her that he knows Saeed and Danielle realizes that he was also on the plane. He pulls out the paper with the numbers and asks why she wrote them. Daniel says that she does not know. Hurley snaps. He starts talking about all the questions that the show has made us ask about the monster. 
Maybe it's a pissed off giraffe. The fact that no one is looking for them, but he says he just goes along with it because he's good old fun time Hurley. Then he says very aggressively that he wants answers. And for some reason, Danielle lowers the gun. Danielle explains that her ship picked up the transmission of a voice repeating the numbers and they changed its course. Then they were shipwrecked, but they continued to look for the signal and they found the radio tower. Hurley asks if there's a radio tower on the island and she reveals it's by the Black Rock. She says that while the others were waiting for rescue, some of them continued to look for the meaning of the numbers, but then the sickness came. After her team was gone, Danielle changed the transmission and Hurley asks if she learned where the numbers got their power from and she's confused. He says that the numbers are cursed and Danielle says that the numbers are what brought her and Hurley to the island and in that time she's lost everything. She agrees that the numbers must be cursed and then Hurley thanks her and hugs her saying he has waited so long for someone to agree with him. When he hugged her, I just thought to have someone to touch <laughs> thoughts on the radio tower the reveal of the radio tower cool i wasn't that surprised i feel like this island does a lot more than we thought it had more mention of the black rock i'm pretty curious about that what do you, do you have a theory on what the black rock is not even a little bit what are you picturing in your head just like literally a big black rock like <laughs> like a like a bald rocky lava rocky type of just big thing. So a big, big black rock. Is Danielle the best person to validate your theory? What's my theory? My theory? Hurley's theory that the numbers are cursed. But put yourself in this position. Oh, um, she's probably not the best person, but like, I don't think it matters to him. He just needs somebody that's like shared his experience. Yeah, I just, I'm just imagining him being like, see, mom. She agrees with me. And then Carmen just takes one look at Danielle and is like, oh. Jack and Saeed continue to scavenge. And Jack says that they need to find Hurley and Charlie. And then Saeed finds the picture of Nadia. Was it, this it when was, he was going to be hot of the week? No, um, I'm glad he found the picture. Actually, what I was going to say was completely off topic. So just remind me when we're done. I have something really off topic to say. Charlie comes out of the jungle and tells them that they were shot at. And Saeed realizes it was Danielle. The three of them begin to search for Hurley when he just shows up and hands Jack a battery and says, Danielle says, hey, to Saeed. I liked that. That was funny. I was annoyed when Charlie came out of the jungle and like his first concern was not like, oh, my buddy was getting shot at. He's like, oh, my God. You know, like I just feel like. If me and someone were running through the jungle being shot at, I get out, I'm alive, I'm safe. First thing I'm going to do is be like, please help me man down. And like, he just did not care. Yeah, that's true. And he has a right to know all of his secrets, but God forbid he gets murdered in the jungle. That's none of his business. Especially because Charlie's early experience on the island was people being like, oh, who cares about Charlie? He's like, I'm safe too, guys. And then he just goes and does that to Hurley. Yeah. And that is when I I wrote in my notes, I declare him anti-hottie of the week, perhaps uggo of the week. Uggo. <laughs> <laughs> uggo. Yeah, he's uggo of the week. The four of them return to the beach and Saeed gives Michael the battery. Which I just question because you know that Michael's going to be like, I don't, 
I don't fucking know what to do with this. Here you go. Cause you're the one building the fucking distress signal. Yeah. I feel like it would have been better if he just showed him like, I've got it. Like I'll, I'll get on it. I'll do your work. Yeah. <laughs> I like the, like Michael gives Jin the look like what the fuck are we supposed to do with this? Walk asks Claire if she has thought a name for the baby and she reveals that she has not put much thought into it because she was going to give him up. Locke says that must have been a difficult decision, and Claire says it was, but none of it matters now. She reveals that today is her birthday, and Locke asks why she hasn't told anyone. Claire says she's pregnant, single, and lives on an island. Locke tells her that the baby and her having close birthdays is good luck, and Claire asks if he believes in luck, and Locke gives the most Locke answer, I believe in a lot of things. How does she know what the date is? That is a good question. Well, they know what day the plane crashed. And they know how many days they've been on the island. So but I'm not going to be count I'm not going to be counting dates if I'm on this island. Uh, me too. The only thing I could think is she's got a lot of time to just sit around. So maybe one day she was like, "Oh, day 45 is going to be my birthday." But it otherwise It's funny when you think about of all the people to know what day it is. Claire is missing a huge chunk of time considering that she just That's blacked so out. That is a great point. There, There is a moment later where uh, one of my favorite characters, Rose, somebody is like, I don't even know what day it is. And without hesitation, Rose is like, it's Thursday. I remember that. <laughs> I love her so much. Locke finishes the project and she asks what it is. He turns it right side up to reveal that it's a cradle. And then he tells her happy birthday and she thanks him. Thoughts on this moment and Locke overall? I know you still think he's a cult leader, but like, has he gotten any points back? Is he back in your good graces? I mean, it was fine. I'm neutral. Neutral? I'll take it. Neutral with skepticism. I thought it was, at first I was like, oh, how cute. And then I was like, if I was already stuck on an island and there's this pregnant bitch and I know she is about to give birth to a baby and it's going to cry... When I'm already stuck on an island, I'd be so mad. I mean, I know there's nothing you can do about it, but I'd still be pissed. You seriously have to be pregnant? Are you joking? Like, I would be so annoyed. What an inconvenience to me. I always say, in the heat, I get homicidal. So I'm already going to be pissed. I hate being hot. You want to add a crying baby to that? Just move to the camp that she doesn't live at. I'm joining Danielle out in the jungle. Like, I'd be so mad. They don't need to do that. They have two camps. Uh, No, I would. Well, if you remember in uh, Walkabout, they all got woken up by Vincent barking at the boar. So, yeah, there's a lot. It's very noisy on that island. But they do have white noise machines in the form of either the waves That's on the beach. Said. Or, yeah. I said the caves trickling. I was like, perfect white noise machine. That's true. Yeah. Charlie joins Hurley as he dries his shirt. And Charlie asks Hurley to finish what he was going to say before they were shot at. Hurley tells him that he thinks the plane crash was his fault. Charlie asks how that's possible, but Hurley says that a lot of bad things happen before the crash. Charlie tells him bad things happen. Everyone has baggage. He tells him that he was snorting heroin as the plane was crashing. He says that he was so addicted, he couldn't get through a trip without a fix. And asks if that was his fault as well. Then Charlie asks for Hurley to share a secret, considering he just shared a secret. I think that Hurley, first of all, was trying to tell him. Absolutely. Charlie just, like, interrupts to be like, oh, you think you fucking have it bad? Okay, let's give Hurley the floor. Let's not assume. I cannot stand. This is, like, a 
what am I trying to say? This is a very common occurrence in movies, TVs, books, whatever. When somebody is trying to tell them something and the other person is like cutting them off over and over and over, I'm like, just let them fucking talk. Just let him say, you know, you want information out of him. And then he's trying to tell you why he thinks it's his fault or whatever. He, I wanted to punch Charlie in the face. It also made me mad when he was like, now you go. Because it's like, you've been a dick to him all day. He's finally about to tell you, you interrupt him. And now you want him to tell you like, this man does not need to like reciprocate. Like, yeah. Telling you about his life after all of that. Like that made me so mad. And then Hurley. he says it, and oh wait, you haven't even said that part yet. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Hurley then shares that back home he's worth 156 million dollars. Uh, Pocket change. One five fifteen. Another number. But Charlie doesn't believe him, and he says, "I bear my soul, and all I get is bloody jokes." Charlie's just a douche. Yeah. I kind of question why that's just not believable, though. Like you're a fucking famous rock star. What? Are the, why can't he have money? I know this he doesn't is even say what it like I a joke. wrote. I said that if Hurley was skinnier and more conventionally attractive, I think Charlie would have believed him. But I think that he had his own prejudices and was like, "Well, if you fucking look like that, you can't be a millionaire." Yeah, that's probably true. Based on his actions throughout the episode, I was like, "That's probably why you don't believe him." Yeah, Charlie was. And then I wrote, "That small man needs to check himself." <laughs> this was not a <laughs> that good little episode for Hobbit. Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> But I just think, like, look at all these, like, rich people. Half the time, they don't look rich. Yeah. But then the episode ends with a shot of the hatch, and on the side are the numbers. All right, Lauren, I want on record. What is your theory regarding the numbers? I have given this some thought. I have. This is new. Shut the fuck up. And let me tell you. I've got nothing. I know later that they have to use those numbers to like do the the code thing in the hatch. Are they the same? They're the same numbers, right? Don't shrug at me. I know they are. And are they not? They are. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Because I was feeling dumb. Now, I know it's the same numbers, but I don't remember like why they have to put them in. And I really just don't know. But, like, there's got to be something crazy with them. Because, like, I do think they're they're cursed. What? You guys are looking at each other. Stop. Maybe it's not crazy. We've seen the show, so. I don't know. I just think it's, like, if it's, is it going to be disappointing? Kate? I'm a known hater of the ending. And that's all that I will say. The ending ending? Or just specifically what you hate? The ending. Damn, get, get off my fucking podcast. <laughs> okay, well, I don't want to know anything else, but I'm very curious to see what the explanation of this is. All right, a couple of boxes here to check. Hottie of the week? Well, it was going to be Saeed, and it was going to be Saeed just because I had a hot dream about him. Nothing happened in the dream. We just had intense connection in the street, and he was hugging me. But... I'm really turned off by the whole 17-year age gap. And it's not even the age gap. It's the fact that she's so young. Icky to me. Icky, icky. Um, uh, Sawyer wasn't really in this episode. So we're gonna, that's fine. We're going to give it to Jack. Just because Jack's been kind of like hot. 
Hell yeah! Way he to go, didn't, Jack. He didn't do much. He just yeah. looked hot. Motherfucker, you, look at your notes. You literally wrote Jack is hot. I in did. This I, wrote, I said, oh my yeah. gosh. I was he like, is kind of good. He's hot. So, and he hasn't been pissing me off. So, like, I've been really noticing the hotness. Just put for the reason that Jack won this week, you have to put because Saeed is verging on pedophilia. By default. Yeah. Don't worry. Saeed will be back in my good graces. Probably next week. I'll get over yeah, it. I was going to ask if this was the end of the... the Absolutely water. not. Post of my bee sting. Oh, oh because... we, we track what we're going to post when we, like, reference something. Oh, I was like, what? Uh, Saeed has won a lot. Yeah, he has. I Saeed have a slight Locke? obsession. You said Locke was hottie of the week? It was a hard week. It was a really hard week. <laughs> it was between Locke and Charlie. Yeah, never Charlie. The reason it, he won is because he found Claire while he was out looking for Vincent. Mm. No, it wasn't the that he found Claire. Is that he was looking for Vincent? I don't care that he found Claire. You also said that his arms looked good when he was uh, lowering Michael into the band. And he just tree. looked strong in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a thing for arms. I hear something about me every time I see a scene of Locke. Like, he reminds me of my father. Oh, oh don't God. say that. Don't say that. He does. You you met my dad. Fucking Epstein? Yeah. My dad has an uncanny resemblance to Jeffrey Epstein. One time I saw a picture of Jeffrey Epstein, genuinely thought it was my father. <laughs> One of my friends sent it to me and I said, why do you have a picture of my dad? And she said, that was Jeffrey Epstein. Like, they look so similar. I need, like, a side-by-side Comparison. We'll send you a picture of of her dad, and we'll send you a picture of Epstein, and you have to figure out which is which. Yeah, we'll see if you can tell them apart. Okay. Well, it was a pleasure having you, Kate. Thank you. Yes, this is a pleasure nice surprise. Being. Editing Zane here. This was the surprise that I was referring to in the last episode. I said UPS just to throw her off, but yeah, sorry I never mentioned it. Unfortunately, you will not be back for the next episode, which, Lauren, who do you think it's going to cover? Oh, shit. Problem is, I haven't watched this one in a week, so, uh... If only I just uh, recapped it for you in extreme detail. (laughs) I know, but you didn't, like... It's the subtle little, like, side character things that, like, give me insight into the next episode. Maybe Locke? I don't know. You're on a roll lately, Lauren. Did I really get it? Yeah. Okay, sweet. Next episode is Dos Ex Machina. It's a lock-centric episode, and I'm willing to say this might be the best episode of the season. Oh, God. I you. Every time you told me it was a good episode, the episode sucked. <laughs> if you uh, check the, the, the subreddits and the Facebook groups like I do every day, it's a lot of... What pe- happens in the episode? I'll oh. confirm or deny. Editing Zane back. I turned off the microphone so Lauren wouldn't hear the description. It's a good episode. Okay. Uh, Yes, but we will be back next time. Unfortunately, Kate, you will not, but we will see you in a couple weeks. Now's the part where I reveal the reason I really wanted you on this episode is because uh, the next three episodes are really fucking good. And then the one you come back on is a Kate episode. So it's not really good. You thought you wanted me on this episode? Why? Because I, for like two seasons, did not remember that Hurley's name was Hurley. I could, I kept calling him Curly. <laughs> it made Zane so mad. He just looks like a Curly. Because he's got curly hair? No, he just looks like a Curly. Oh, my God.
So will she be on one before our one where we're doing it in person? Yeah, she'll be on one more. She'll be really? on. Okay. Yeah, you'll be on twenty one. Right. Well, thanks for having. Or thanks. For, I'm so glad show. to have <laughs> you guys on my podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, take us out, Lauren. If you liked this episode and you think that we're funny, you can see us being funny more on our TikTok. You can find us at Lauren Gets Lost Pod. You can find us on Instagram at Lauren Gets Lost Pod, on Twitter at Lauren Gets Lost, if Twitter is even still a functioning platform at that point in time, and on Facebook. If you really, really like us, you can donate to our show. The link will be in the description. And if you really, really like us, but you're poor or just not a generous person, <laughs> then you can just uh, give us five stars wherever you're listening and tell your friends and your family and your aunt. And that's it. Join us next week for a title that I, I can't pronounce. That's sex marketing. That. Thank you for listening to Lauren Gets Lost. This podcast is hosted by and edited by Zane Kohler with co-host Lauren Kohler, produced and guest starring Kate Worcester, and our music is done by David Kohler. And remember, they were not dead the whole time. <laughs>